0: Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Zapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, November 4th of the year 2022, and you are listening to This Week in XR with your uh, host today, Ted Shilowitz, who is the futurist at Paramount Global, and the guest host... Roni, please pronounce your name so I get it correctly. Roni Abovitz. Abovitz. I knew it. I just didn't want to make sure I messed it up. Uh, So Roni has been a guest, I think, maybe more than anyone else on our podcast. Charlie Fink, who all you, the people that listen to the podcast know, is uh, our regular uh, uh, master of ceremonies and the host of the show. And I'm typically the co-host of the show. But Charlie is off at a wedding this weekend. So he said, Can you fill in as host? And who would you like to bring in as co host? And our, of course, our instant who should we bring in as co host is Rony because his patter his awareness of the world around uh, in all things xr is very high and fascinating uh, so we're gonna have an interesting discussion uh before i forget because i'll get in trouble with charlie and everybody else i need to thank our sponsor zapper who makes this amazing piece of technology called the zap box which is an ar mr device that you use your phone in and uh, something called ZapWorks, works which is like an easy to use um codeless software that allows people to code and build mixed reality experiences Um, and their new Zapbox box is like almost ready to ship now so we're going to get a chance to check it out pretty soon roni so that will be fun Uh, our guest today in about uh, 10 minutes or so uh, is malicia zek Uh, she is a fascinating young lady from serbia Uh, who I've become very good friends with. And uh, she was a VR pioneer, did a lot of amazing VR stuff early in the days. Met her at Sundance. I was an advisor to her company for a little while. And now she is deep in the Web3 space, which we will talk about a little bit today because we can't not talk about it. We talk about it every week. Um, She uh, works for a company called Infinity World, doing really interesting things, evolving the internet as we know it. So... uh, we will talk about that. Anything on your mind before we go through the news?
1: That's typically how we do it when Charlie and I do it. Oh, uh, there's so much going on. But, yeah. Um, I think there's like the just the massive drop in in shareholder value at Meta. What does this mean for their future programs and this projected spend of over 100 billion in the coming decade? Yeah. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Uh, what's happening at Twitter today? It just feels like everything is jump ball and chaos right now.
0: Yeah, so so my, my nickel theory, which is probably just worth a nickel, but I'm curious to see if you agree with it, and and I've had this sort of gut feeling for a long time since they really ramped up, changed the name from Facebook to Meta and said, we are going to fully put a massive amount of funds and resources into this overall realm of the metaverse with a bent towards VR and MR, which in theory is all great. My concern with it was the overwhelming spend rate was going to try and be sort of a forcing agent to kind of force human nature and people to move in a certain direction. And we've seen that failure point over and over and over again. And my instinct was they'd be way better growing more organically and slower and let the market evolve and come to them. Um, and, And I think they made a tactical error. And I hope that they're listening to their stockholders and the world around them, that they should pull back.
1: Are they listening to you right now?
0: (laughs) I don't know. They should pull back a little bit. I don't want them to stop what they're doing. I just want them to be more thoughtful about what they're doing and more tactful about what they're doing and not try and hit it with the world's biggest hammer to get everybody to pay attention all at once. People don't pay attention to new technology all at once. We were out at the Infinity Fest last night and I was giving this reference point that Technology changes are like grass that grows, right? It creeps up on you. It doesn't just launch into you. You would know this well because of your aspirations at Magic Leap and your goal sets, trying to find that creep factor, but your investors and your stockholders and everybody saying, go faster, go faster, go faster. And you and I've talked about this many times. Your instincts were, wait a minute, we have to let it, we have to grow into this. Um, and I
1: know, you know, you had some frustration about that. So that's my take on it. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Well, here's my take. I think uh, just trying to build the metaverse is like trying to build the universe. It's this endless, infinite, complex system. And I don't think any one company can do it. I think uh, no matter how much money uh, Facebook meta wants to spend, I don't think any one company can do it. And I think they're going to learn that the hard way or, or, Mm -hmm. or learn from their mistakes. It is actually something that like, Ted, I think of it from like first principles. I don't know what your take is, but there's like, what does my face want? this tiny lightweight thing that has an amazing field of view and perfect resolution. Yeah. What does my brain want? I don't want to feel any nausea, any distortion. I just want perfect. I want perfect sound, all of it. Um, and then you compare that to where are we on the tech curve? And I think what happens is lots of companies are going, well, we can compromise here and here and here across a matrix of like, let's call it hundreds of minor and maybe dozens of major and tens of thousands of, of, of very minor design decisions that lead you to not what you really want, but something coming closer. Cause like what's, what's really tough. I think it's even harder than space travel. It's going to sound nuts, mm. right? Like, but, but building a company to launch rockets, we did that in the sixties. There's a pathway there actually is a business of satellite launching. There's commercialization building a car company. We know what cars are this this idea of like, we dare as human beings to conquer reality, right. that's not giving up the ghost as fast as anyone wants, because right. you really have to respect all the parts of our body and physics and go, what are they asking for? I mean, I learned that it Magically, we we're trying to step our way through it. Um, and then I think what Meta was hoping is that people will compromise
0: mm.
1: earlier and bigger. By the way, even though they have like millions of people using it, that's yeah. a victory at this stage of tech.
0: Right. And it's a very impressive number. Like they've achieved a tremendous amount. They deserve a huge amount of credit for how they've moved the ball forward, how they've found marketplaces for this across many industries, both entertainment, productivity, socialization. Charlie and I talk about it week after week. But like you said, to move the needle so much when everybody needs a certain level of deliverable takes many, many cycles, right?
1: I will say this though, um I think people are also not listening sometimes to what they're saying. It sounds for sounds weird for me to defend them because I competed against them and, yeah, and yeah. things I don't agree with, but I do believe Mark has said, this is going to take 10 years or more. Has, many times oh, when, when I would tell people that that never ended up in any article and in any report. And and I actually, I've been very carefully listening to what he's saying and listen to what people are reading. And they're like, well, it's all not there right now with this instant. Yeah. Because I think the, a lot of the press and a lot of folks have no patience for what a long-term journey means. Right. And I think the reality, and even investors, right? Even like Mark's uh, faithful investors are like finally giving up the ghost on him going, you're spending too much for this long journey. And and he told everybody, I mean, if you go back and listen to what he said, this is gonna take through the end of the decade and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I we I said very similar things, but nobody seems to hear that part. They don't want to hear it. Right, right, right. They don't want to hear that part. Yeah, yeah, and by right. the way, it will, it will take through the end of this decade. But yeah. but I it said it's mean, gonna be 20
0: years. I said,
1: you like know, climbing Everest, right? Every step of the way there's something cool and fun, right. but but I, I'd say Charlie, we're in the era of millions to tens of millions. Maybe at the mid to late decade it's hundreds of millions, and in the 2030 plus, we're maybe at a billion. That's mm-hmm. that's what it's yeah. gonna
0: take. Right. Agreed. Yeah, so obviously we've talked about that a lot, but a lot of listeners tune in to get the week's news. So we're going to go through that quickly, and then we'll talk more about stuff. Uh, The first thing, so Charlie publishes an article in Forbes uh, every week, and that's what we base the podcast on. So I'm going to go through uh, this week's uh, news that he I read it. And And there you go. So we can talk about it. So the first thing is a big deal from the traditional gaming world that uh, Activision, which is in the process of being bought by, uh, by Microsoft for some humongous amount of money um, uh, is made $800 million. The new call of duty modern warfare two, which is amazing. And actually close friend of mine, a family friend uh, works for blur. And she did uh, work on all the cinematics. I'm very proud of her. The cinematics are unbelievable. It's like, you look at it, it's like watching a movie. It's crazy.
1: Can I, can I, can I say something about this? Yeah. Microsoft, very smart buying Activision. Yes. It's beyond me why Meta didn't buy something like Ubisoft or, or a similar make, Mega Studio because you can argue that Call of Duty is a massive multi person online world, a big portion of the metaverse. Much it more is a metaverse. Absolutely. All the Horizons World stuff. And look how much money it's making. Right, right,
0: right. So in its opening weekend, right? it it grossed $800 million. Now, given this is a massive AAA title, probably a few hundred million in production costs, a few hundred million in marketing costs, but it's already in the in the black. It's already now playing with house money, as we say, right? And the interesting statistic is that it has made more money than Top Gun Maverick and Doctor Strange combined, which is true, and Top Gun Maverick, which is a movie that my the studio I work for produces, and it made a fortune. Like, it's the biggest it's movie fun. in the world, right? Um, and, and we love it. Call of Duty it. still makes more money, and here's the scary part: eight hundred million is fifty percent of the gross sales that MetaQuest in their store for all of VR has generated in two years. So in two days,
1: Call of Duty made more money than MetaQuest in two years. But Ted, here's think I think the last when people look at what is metaverse, I think it's going to come into mass audience and consumer from from games like this, which are already these like like things like Fortnite, things like Call of Duty. That are becoming increasingly cinematic. You and I have talked about this a lot. I think it, I think that merges into something new. I call it a story world. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty is like when you merge massive AAA game with film, you end up something yeah. that's become new. It is a
0: deep, deep layered story. Right, absolutely. And that's why and, people that are, don't really know gaming, they're like, "But the games don't tell stories. We're like, oh no, these games tell
1: extraordinarily sophisticated
0: stories. And you the settings
1: are, are utterly realistic. And at some point- right when you can go into that world with extraordinarily good XR, it will be incredible
0: and scary. And we're we're marching our way to it. Like, to me, the best piece of VR yet to be created is the Epic first-party title called Robo Recall. And it is the closest thing to a true AAA FPS in VR. Everything else pales in comparison to it because Epic had huge amounts of money to put towards it. And it shows, and it's amazing. So if you've never played Robo Recall, Play it and compared to everything else you play in VR. Ed,
1: why? Why is no one building like a super gamer specific ultra lux VR system for things like Fortnite for things like Call of Duty?
0: Well, they sort of are a little bit, but not specific for that gamer market. So the the Quest Pro, the Vive, all
1: the there's a bunch of different headsets. You're I talking mean, like laser, about something way Index.
0: Where, but you're no, talking about. The
1: laser, yeah. Where's the Razer? Where's the Alienware? What is like the high-end gaming computer that's super tuned for games like this? Because is maybe that's the way.
0: So there's a company called Varjo that makes this ultra, ultra high-res uh, VR display. Requires still today like $10,000 worth of compute power to run it. So it's not really for the gaming market.
1: Oh, I know the- them well, but it's like it's also for like pro-end visuals. Yeah. It's more like a Very high-end cool. CAD workstation. No, I mean like where what Alienware is the PCs. Mm. you know, Dell them. where is that for VR? Because that should, imagine like Call of Duty launch with like a super cool tuned gamer yeah. VR headset. Well, that would have been a big hit.
0: Maybe we should ask Microsoft or Sony, right? Because Sony's coming out with their PlayStation 2 VR, which does have 2K resolution on each eye. It is still tethered, which is a quite a frustration for a lot of people, which we've talked about a lot. But, you know, I'm hoping that the big surprise when they release the next, gen PSVR is that there's a wireless dongle adapter, and I don't care what it costs, because there's no way I'm living with the wire anymore. After you cut the wire, you never want to go back to the wire.
1: I I think that uh, one has an interesting chance. We'll see see how it does in spring. Um,
0: In other news, there's a company called Leia, which is an interesting company that does uh, 3D sort of multi-plane vector technology, kind of of advanced spy ring stuff. I I know them well because in my ex-life, the last sort of piece of the puzzle uh, that uh, Red Bad, was trying right? to do was make a phone using that Leia display as a 3D display. It was successful technically, but ultimately failed in the marketplace. Um, and Leia just got another 125 million in financing, debt-based financing, so high-risk financing uh, from a company called Aeon. Uh, and they make this three-dimensional display that you don't have to wear glasses with. And it's designed now for your desktop. So do you think there's a, a market for that? you think there's something there for that?
1: A friend of mine, an ex-Sleeper is the CEO of, a, of an extreme layer competitor. Mm-hmm. They're, they're building uh, just like a very like really pure digital holographic thing. But I I guess, let, let me flip it back. I'm trying to think where where you would use this. Where where do you really need it versus like two or three 4K displays? Yeah. yeah.
0: And our guest, Nalizia just joined. So ah. she's going to pop in and, and just join in the conversation for a minute. And then we'll properly introduce her and our little guest segment. Hi, Malizia. We're just still talking about the news. So listen in and we'll have you uh, pop in in a moment to Thank start you. our conversation. Uh, we're actually just talking about Leia, uh, the company that um, is um, doing uh, sort of advanced 3D displays. There's a, there's a different company that I've seen that uses a camera to track yourself. Sony's doing this as well and can do a pretty nice kind of multifaceted 3D view. I think the biggest markets for this are probably 3D visualization and CAD work. So that you don't have to actually wear glasses, but you can manipulate a 3D model, like if you're doing automotive design or, or some sort of precise design, like you came from the medical uh, device world. If you needed to build a robotic medical arm and you needed to look at it from all kinds of angles, you didn't want to wear glasses all day. I think that's the business at large, but I don't think it's a huge vertical. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. And like what happens when XR is like really light and perfected? Does it just right. this thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You know,
0: wow. something to it. I mean, there's they it's, it's a exist, business. Right? Yeah, we'll give them we'll give them a, a long a lead time and see what they you know see if they can find a market. The technology absolutely works. It's just a matter is there a human desire interest for this, right? Um, let's see. In other news, uh, Google acquires Twitter-backed AR avatar startup called FaceMoji for the paltry price of a hundred million bucks. And you know, Google is also one of those companies that, of course, they're a multi-trillion-dollar company, but Um, Maybe not the best time for any tech company to be spending money on things, but they have a belief structure that avatars and AI-generated avatars are going to be really important in the future, which is one of those little veins of the
1: metaverse, right? So I think this is a aqua hire, some good code at a really good price uh, in in a down market. So if you've got tons of capital, big company like Google… You're, you're bargain hunting basically. Oh, yeah. It's like a hundred million dollars for them is a bargain. Yeah, yeah, ninety percent off. You know, yeah. like I don't know what the market cap would have been in a different market, but it's it's no doubt at a discount. Right.
0: Um, there's also some. Rep- uh, this is probably not reporting, but more speculation. But the future of the Microsoft Hololens program is a little bit in doubt because the Army is sort of giving it not the best marks for performance in the field, which is something we kind of knew was going to happen based on what that technology is and how well it works. It's a good device, but at so, sort of to your earlier point about the level of preciseness and perfection, it needs to really be fully adopted and used. I was like, I just don't think it's there yet. I mean, it, you know, and, and no knock on the device. It's just, it's not really ready
1: for that yet. I have to be careful because magically. Leap, uh is and was involved in that sector so i will sure. just i like circle the area but i would say the use case is incredibly valuable to to the DOD um and i don't i don't think you should take away that manifestation by one company as a a down on the on the capabilities of what's possible right. I um, that. but i i think i think there's also um you have to really think about what you're adapting, like if you take a if you take a a, a unit that was not designed for that use case, like I, th- I would say like this is the take home for I think any listener on this, um you take something which is a test bed like the Hollands one, Hollands two, mm-hmm. there there's almost like a significant new redesign you need to make for these like very very rugged, very different kind of uh, test cases, and I think the more off your own path, the more scale you know your own commercial scaling path you go. The worst it is and that's why like you know in some of the deep defense stuff people are really special purpose and only focus on that because it just gets very their requirements are so different from yeah. like normal life that it, it it's not surprising what happened here Right. because right right. you're trying to take like a ford truck and turn it into a tank it's not, gonna, not gonna happen easily right yeah just design the tank Yeah, And uh, as you were talking, for those
0: that are watching the YouTube version of this and not listening to the podcast, as you were chatting, I took a drink of water and spilled it all over my shirt. (laughs) Welcome to live TV, right? So uh, last story for today is, uh, we actually mentioned it before, uh, but I'll give you some specs on it now. The What's called the PSVR 2, the second gen uh, PlayStation VR, which of course has the largest potential attach rate of any VR system because of PlayStations um, will launch in February. So we have a date now and it will be priced at $550. So it's a healthy and smart price. It's not, you know, the 1500 of the, of a quest pro or anything like that. It's 500 bucks. Um, it will require a PS5 to run it. So if you have a PS4, you're no go, you need a PS5 to run it. Um, and, uh, you know, 2k by 2k per each eye, uh, and some really, really good games. So to your point about Triple A gaming, they are leaning into that because that is their pedigree. They know how to make and license the right properties to make really, really good game experiences. So we're actually very excited about this to see where it goes from a gaming. I
1: I think it's going to be really tight and focused on on excellent. I think Sony makes some excellent games, and the coupling. I think they learned a lot from the first time out, and it's going to be a prelude for what happens. You know, they're going to keep cycling through this. Like you know, when you, you and I talk about where are we going to be like later this decade. You're going to get the 4K, 6K per eye, and then things are so. Absolutely. spectacular.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and and they they also understand the long trajectory of this. They've been at this business for a long time. They understand this is not a flash in the pan. They understand it will take time to keep building audience and building market share, and they're not rushing. The other group, of course, that's not rushing is our the the fruit company up at Cupertino is definitely not rushing, and we think that is a very specific reason why they're not rushing.
1: Right. So that's they they look Ted. They could just take. And in, in reality, they could not ship anything for four years and just and wait, 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 wait until everything is perfect. Right. I agree.
0: Uh, okay. So with that, uh, let's have Melicia turn her camera on. There she is. Hi. <laughs> and... Uh... She is she is a wonder to me. Uh, She's an amazing person with an amazing background uh, and sort of lived through a very, very challenging upbringing in uh, a sort of a war torn country, which, of course, we're now seeing a repeat of uh, with even larger scale and larger awfulness in the Ukraine. Uh, But she comes from a similar background a generation ago. So this is not a new story for her. Uh, but, uh, turned that challenge into some amazing early, early work in virtual reality that she can tell us about, and now, uh, is deep in Web3 and the metaverse, and I think your title is Chief Metaverse Officer, right? Which is, uh... <laughs> Which is kind of an interesting, scary title to have these days with everybody kind of wondering what is this metaverse and does it even, you know, matter for anything. Uh, but uh, Charlie and I and Roni, who's today's uh, guest host, I uh, think it matters a lot. So uh, why don't you tell Roni and I and all the listeners what you're doing now and maybe a little bit about your background and then we'll ask you some questions.
2: Hi, hi, Ted and Roni. such a pleasure being here with you. Um, so yeah, my background is, as Ted mentioned, uh, it actually started in film, that's the background in storytelling, and then expanded into VR. How do we put audiences inside the movie? And that's how the first project in VR we made that is called Giant, is we are placing you in a war zone actually, uh, with a family that is hiding from bombs. And they cannot tell this, the daughter that these are bombs, she's too young. So they, they tell her this is a friendly giant that is knocking down the buildings and wants to play with you. So you kind of understand like a human aspect of war, uh, not, not looking at the war through statistics or news or politics, but actually just through human emotions, like fear, happiness, um, tears, something that we can all relate to. Uh, and that's where I realized, and, and as Ted mentioned, it, it does come as certain inspiration of me growing up in Serbia, uh, and and not having a voice really to to choose where I live or to choose that war. Um, so I want to speak for those people who are in these situations, even now, as you mentioned, that. Yeah, and, and it was really... incredibly
0: emotional. Like we all saw it at Sundance, and people came away rocked by it because VR is one of these mediums that can be so powerful to pull out emotions, um, more than just a traditional screen. So it was one of the earliest examples of how you can really affect someone. Uh, and it was fascinating to me, and that's when we became friends. So that's a long yeah. time ago now.
2: That's where we met, at the premiere of Giant yeah. Sundance, New uh, and then And then that led us to making the next project, which was three, where we spoke about climate change in a different way. Again, in personal way, we can use all of these immersive technologies to bring unimaginable experiences to you. So you would become this rainforest tree, grow as a tree, smell smell the nature, feel the vibrations, wind, heat, everything. And then humans come into this rainforest and they start burning it. So then you understand the deforestation through heart, again, Mm -hmm. through your emotions and you get connected And now deforestation all of a sudden became your personal experience. And hopefully you start caring more about it and then hopefully leads to action.
0: Yeah, I think it was still to date. And I've had a lot of emotional VR experiences because I do a lot of festival VR. uh, The thing I saw most people come out with tears in their eyes, like literally crying in the headset uh, and taking it off. And you could just see they're all welled up. And it it was a really powerful experience, which is why I... You know, helped that a little bit and our friend Marcy helped that a little bit and we had a whole little culture around this is really important we have to get it out to the world and it was great still continues
2: on okay. and thank you dad for becoming our advisor <laughs> ever since on all of the projects um yeah as you said like we gave so many hugs to thousands and thousands after people watched this experience uh again really really understanding what what power once all of these headsets, AR, VR, are more ready, more accessible, as you both know and talked about, I, I can't wait for that time to come really as this this could be used also for good, but also for bad, right? So I will be always advocating like let's let's uplift people through this experience and show them something new. Right.
0: So now, okay, let's flash forward. Then we can go back and talk about VR a little more, but let's flash forward to what you're doing now because it's so interesting. And you have one of those interesting coveted roles in Web3 because you're starting to guide it, right? And, and so you obviously have lots of opinions. Your company has lots of opinions on where it's going. Uh, you're putting some money into it, likely not as much money as Meta, which we were sort of, sort of talking about uh, over the weekend and you know, earlier today. But um, tell us what's going on now in your world.
2: Yeah, so, so as a result of my previous work, I got uh, invited by Infinite World Company to, to join them as a chief metaverse officer. And I know everyone has opinion about this job title and it's becoming, it's very funny and entertaining actually uh, to hear about it. Uh, but yes, we are like, a, it's, it's a web three company, web three meets metaverse type of uh, situation. Mm-hmm. And right now we work with brands and creators and, and figuring out ways how to bring them into this space. So for example, one of our uh, partners that we're working with right now is McLaren. Uh, and then how could that look like? And, and as we all three of us know, this path is not paved for brands or for anyone. It's, it's, we are paving it as, as we are experimenting right now with what works, what doesn't. Uh, so what we started is we started kind of like more safely with nft drop and nft marketplace that actually sold out right when the crash happened the same week the lunar crash Uh, and then and then now is the next next step but the way i think about this is story comes first like why comes first why are you doing this you can't just blindly go around and, and follow what someone else is doing but really, like looking at the brand, looking at the core of it, looking at what they want to do, how they want to reach audiences, and start like inventing this storyline by really using different metaverse platforms and different tools. Mm. Um, so we are collaborating with existing metaverse platforms such as like Sandbox, Decentraland, but also working with some that didn't yet launch. Uh, which is also interesting to see to 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 help them grow and and to help them launch and it's good uh, roni any
0: questions from Alicia before we continue with the discussion any thoughts that you have yeah, bubbling
1: yeah. up well Liz, i'm very curious like what what do you think is the metaverse in the 2030s like if you imagine like you know right now everything feels just early and and at the beginning but in your mind what does it look like if if we're in if we're having this meeting and like 2035, what is, what is the metaverse then?
2: I, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, well, first to answer, I've been in, in, we've been all in so many hype waves thinking, okay, next year, the magic leap is going to be completely ready, like completely all we wanted, right? And then we learn, well, no, it's going to take time. It's a step by step in technological process. So I think in the, in the year you asked me, Ronnie, I think we are not going to talk about metaverse i think it's just going to be normal parts yeah we are not trying to define it and yeah it's just going to be part because why if i have like a physical object right now why not also have a digital object next next to me like this didn't exist before before mm-hmm. humans invented it same way Digital objects in real life didn't exist until we invented them. So I don't see why not populate the world uh, with those digital objects. Also, what's very interesting to me is actually that companies, brands can start moving more and more towards making digital products, meaning we don't need to go to nature to take away something. We can maybe start reducing that debt and start making virtual objects that people can collect sell buy.
1: yeah i think it's okay one more good i was gonna say one more question like in that world where it sounds like you're thinking it's so seamless and part of us we wouldn't even call it metaverse anymore it's just like what you do like i don't go i'm using electricity right now i just turn on the light it's just there um what what is the role you think um ai in whatever it evolves into in you know in about 10 or so years what, what role does it play in that world you're imagining
2: I, I, it will be a big role, I think. I mean, already, already we are like, I mean, just Dali, right? And we're just typing our words. We don't even need to write anymore. It writes instead of us. We don't need to do voiceovers anymore. It's voiceovers instead of us. So it's already here. I don't think everyone maybe knows. I think that's readier than we think actually today. Uh, so it's it's going to play a significant role, and again, advocating for using it for better, you know, that will always be also my role.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned this kind of like what we call the sort of digital twinning of everything, uh, because we already largely do that in 2D, right? If you think about all the digital metaphors that we have adopted and have become completely normalized. And we don't even think about the thing we used to use before, but largely across a two-dimensional plane of pixels. So like, you know, we used to use, phys- Roni and I are old enough to have used physical typewriters in our life. You may, maybe, maybe not, right? Um, and we used to shop in physical stores and now we shop on Amazon. And yes, there's still Good. physical stores, but a lot of people shop on Amazon, right? So the the road is paved so deeply with the concept of the fact that people are really comfortable with digital versions of things that used to be physical, but largely just looking at a two-dimensional picture version of that. So the logical idea of progressing resources and time, which is where we would give a company like Meta credit for saying, this is going to change. It's going to become more robust. There's gonna be a much more three-dimensional use case because now we have the technology to allow this three-dimensional use case across everything that used to be 2D to be 3D, uh, and and the devices that need to get to a better state are on this march, which we all say is going to be many many years to evolve it. But I think you're absolutely right. You, you
1: track you tack that exactly right. Can I ask for one tough question, Ted? Yeah, go. So, M- Melissa, my, my, one of my theories, like in the way that like mobile phone computing. Really didn't happen until like billions of people had a mobile phone. Is there a metaverse without wide-scale, really good headsets? You know that are that are ultra small, perfected. You know, think about like the best of what you see today. Like think about where a Magic Leap two merge with something else goes. You know, five seven years from now, Uh, or do you think the metaverse really exists today? Uh, without that because I, I'm I'm kind of one of those it feels to me like a circuit like you need the 3D worlds you need the blockchain all these other technologies but you also need to be immersed in it otherwise I feel like we're just kind of still on the 2D internet we haven't taken that step forward so but you might have a different view uh, as chief metaverse officer so what what's your what's your take
2: in in terms of like do we need a device to get there
1: yeah do you need a device to to have metaverse
0: really happen, call it the metaverse does it need to be something you wear or can it be on the devices we use today it's the it's kind of an interesting question.
2: yeah I think that why we didn't get to the mass adoption is because of those devices also I mean they're bringing us there, but they're blocking us from there right. so ultimately, ultimately in some science fiction future, no, we don't we want to use them
0: yeah It's an interesting thesis, right? Because from a business standpoint, the logical answer, the smart answer from a business standpoint is, no, no, the metaverse can exist on anything that you have today and tomorrow. But I think what we're sort of picking at is like, for someone to be bold enough to say, actually, no, actually, the progression of the internet is today plus tomorrow. But the progression of the metaverse is a whole new state of devices, that will actually allow us to live more within the world of simulation, of true spatial simulation, connected simulation. So when we, when when like, when Malice and I wanna go shopping, we won't just go on a website to go shopping, we'll go into the store and it will actually feel like we're in a store, right? Um, which is what we can do with VR gaming today, which is kind of why it's so powerful and why something like Giant and Tree were so powerful, a, now, like a VR generation ago, is that you didn't feel like you were watching it. You felt like you were living it. You felt like it was actually happening to you, which is kind of, and you know, Neil was on your board, right? So you probably talked about this a lot, Roni. The, Neil's vision of the metaverse wasn't a two-dimensional, like let's look at it on a computer. It was a simulation that was so pervasive and so invasive that it took over everything, that you didn't have the real world. You just had the metaverse world.
1: Well, well to, to, totally, and Melissa, I want to link this back to your early VR films because there's making a movie and you just go into movie theater and see it. But some of the VR films you made, if they weren't done in that medium, they're different. Right. You you just made a regular movie. So I'm wondering is something about calling pre like we're in the lobby of the metaverse, like the 2D internet is the lobby, but and then occasionally you foray into it by some blend of technologies plus a device that actually throws you into like like a real spatial experience. But when you're not doing the spatial experience, are we just back in the lobby and we're just in the internet? And I, and I wonder, are companies and brands somewhat confused by this? It's like, wait, is Metaverse just rebranding the internet or are there spectacular new things coming? I think it's important to like discern though. So Melissa, it'd be great to get your, your take. Cause you made, you made films that were not normal, right? That were really weird, new immersive films that could only have happened in that new device
2: yeah so yeah and and you brought a great point ronnie i as a a filmmaker giant was actually supposed to be a a short film Ah. and it was supposed to be about the experience that i didn't want to share with the world but then once i decided to share it i realized you know let me go all way then and really convey that point. And that's where VR came to mind. Okay, this is, is gonna be the only tool I'm gonna, to, if I'm gonna talk about it, I'm gonna fully talk about it. So that's how it happened. Um, but to bring to the brands now and how I'm thinking about your question is actually connecting physical and digital. Um, really, it's like kind of this metaverse of things. So now we can tap the phone and on our clothing or anything and it can bring us to whatever we want in a in a virtual environment. Uh, so kind of like I, I see it as as blending it all together actually for brands. And to answer the question about brands, and it's like I, I feel like no one knows what what is gonna happen. Like everyone is just equally confused and equally excited uh, and equally afraid of it. Uh, <laughs> So I think we just kind of keep pushing and paving this road is, is the way to go and we'll stumble upon some solutions. But in psychology is already giving us proofs that this immersive feels like real, it's real to us. So why not right? have more of these experiences and, and deepen the understanding of, of, for people about other stuff in the world because it can also provoke empathy and feelings in you. And maybe we can faster get to some solutions, right? If we expose ourselves to that knowledge and those experiences.
1: Yeah. I see your title reminds you of what what used to happen in marketing. There was a CMO and then they would have someone who was the digital person. And now today- The digital officer, right? The digital person, because that's all only thing that matters really. So I'm wondering, you know, that people go, what's the chief metaverse officer today, five or 10 years, that is the brand or marketing or go to market officer, because that is the all of it, you know, at at some point, that title will be what everyone has to do, because that's where so much business and and creativity is going to happen. Yeah, that's the
0: maturation process, right? It's like, we're, we're such in its infancy that we don't know how to mature it yet. And as you were talking, it's interesting, because I was sort of reflecting on like the last couple of months of the all the, the tech sector cratering, the entertainment sector cratering because of this supposed recession and everybody's all freaked out about everything.
1: The top gun that didn't crater.
0: No, top, we did not crater that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what is, what's interesting as, as the two of you were talking, I was thinking... You know, even though, of course, you know, it's it affects everyone's sort of stock portfolio. Is this kind of a healthy step in how we move technology forward that that trepidation, the nervousness, the kind of like, oh, my God, this is a disaster. Everybody's losing money. It's a it's a it's a bad time to be in it. Is this the sort of proper kind of almost Phoenix step that has to be taken? To move the ball forward is that you get all the naysayers to kind of come together all at once and the whole market goes down, you know, loses trillions of dollars of value almost overnight. And then there's a lot of us that go, well, that's all fine just from a financial standpoint. But I'm telling you, the one thing I know is that technology will not stop moving forward. So eventually it'll get figured out and it'll all sort of kind of come roaring back. Do you guys believe that thesis or like crazy? Let, am I honest. just trying to convince myself that my stocks are going to be fine?
2: Uh, okay, I'll, I'll start. <laughs> we both want to ask. Well, stock market is stock market. It goes up and it goes down. And that's how it's going to be, right? And, and, but these technologies are going to keep progressing. What is, what is interesting here is like how people want to hype this. And make it in three days. Like, okay, in three days, this is like a trillion dollar industry, right? But no, we all three of us went through this that we know it's not the case. It's not that fast. So for us developers and creators and builders right now is the best time. No one believes in it anymore, which is great. No one is bothering us. and, And so many people are just now building actually and making it happen. So it's not gonna stop.
0: So you feel it's healthy? You kind of agree with me. This is a healthy.
2: Okay, Roni,
0: do you agree? Disagree?
1: Um, Take on it. I'll I'll take the contrarian view about. I'll I'll say I I don't. I don't think it's healthy, because I I guess I always grew up with computing, and I think the early phase of computing didn't feel like this. Mm. People were very tolerant of like this thing is gigantic. It's only got a tiny screen. It's green and black, but it was like, oh my god, look how cool it is and then the next one's coming and the next one's coming and there was like a lot of patience and going with the story and supporting the creators and inventors now it feels like there's a massive negative Is it just a negative uh tsunami against it's people around the whole thing right? yeah, yeah, yeah like all you get is as a as a as someone trying to develop is a lot of not i shouldn't say all you get but you get mass amounts of negativity That i think the early phase of computing didn't experience at this level
2: mm.
0: Maybe in the early phase of computing didn't have this much money thrown at it, right? It was, it was built more organically, more modestly, more humble. I think maybe that's the challenge is we forget to be humble about new technology. And in the worlds of trillion dollar companies going after something, the last thing they even know how to do is be humble, which is why small startups are so fascinating because they have to be humble. And they're the ones that change the world because we've seen it over and over again, right?
1: But, but the problem is that, that you're you're right, but there's a big issue. Yeah. The the uh, that kind of in the garage tinkering that you could be was build the Apple One, you can't make this do that anymore. Right? You can't make a SpaceX thing in your garage. You, right. you need tens of billions of dollars. So this is the problem. You need like like land on the moon level budgets, but then people have like, you know, live on Mars expectations. And I think. There's this huge dichotomy of like this stuff is so hard on so many levels to get right because you need many layers of the stack to be good. Like with the Apple One, it's like a couple of things are right, and you're okay, and people were happy and then the Apple two. But here, everything has to come together in so many complex ways that like so the budgets aren't necessarily gigantic, which right. creates massive expectations and no patience. So I think this feels different. i'm I'm ambivalent. I'm not like, I'm hopeful that we get through it, but the just just the surge of negativity and like lack of belief that a good future can be built, not by all, because I mean, people like Melissa and others are like, yes, let's go build this cool future. But there's this kind of malaise that uh, I think we feel more now than we did, yeah. I don't know, or at least that's my perception.
0: So as we wrap up, maybe those that push through it, like the three of us are attempting to do, Will ultimately be right. Yes, power to the people! Right here we go. Uh, so uh, I think that's a good note to end on because uh, we went a little long. We we're supposed oh, to. We say- got to go
1: a little positive. Yeah, nice maybe Melissa could say something positive. Yeah, about
0: well, the- tell us a little bit about you know how people find your company, and you told us about the McLaren thing. Anything you're excited about? You know, in the next few years that we should yeah, think. Give
1: and- us an uplift, a hopeful yeah, exactly. thing for the next. Exactly.
2: Know? Wow! Great. Well, I'll add, Ronnie, to your point. Uh, we didn't have social media and this connectivity to internet at that time that you're comparing. So obviously, it's different. Like we can hear everything. It's like a megaphone everyone that has on the planet. So it's 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 very overwhelming. Um, and again, I mean, one of the projects I'm also working on is with Marcy on Shiba Metaverse. And what excites me there, we're we're helping her with like conceptualizing it, and also bringing brands. But what excites me there is that it's DAO. So this is going to be first time creating something with people who are going to be users. So that's like an untapped territory. How does that look like? Us creators are not anymore in vacuum. It's because of this social media and everything brought us together. Let's see how together we can create stuff and collaborate, inspire each other through this to economics, people start earning, becoming investors, like mindsets of shift, you're not just a consumer, you're now participant, investor, you need to be entertained. So that excites me is like, how are we gonna enable more jobs inside Metaverse that we never thought about? How are people gonna have better, like maybe new incomes, new ways of survival or expressing their creativity? So I think also that is coming.
0: Very true. So in a in an upcoming episode, we will do a full hour on, you just glossed over it, a DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization. It, we cannot cover it today in any realm that would make sense. But if you are listening and you want to know, just search for what is a DAO, D-A-O, and you'll get some interesting links and you can read up about it. The last thing I want to mention for both of you and for all our listeners is there's an amazing podcast I stumbled on Um, a couple couple of days ago, and I've been sharing it with a lot of my friends, called The Creative Power of Misfits. Uh, And it's a spinoff of Malcolm Gladwell's podcast called Revisionist History. So if you just search for The Creative Power of Misfits, it's a story largely of Brad Bird uh, and his arc of how he worked with Pixar and the challenges he had and finding the misfits that made things happen. It was absolutely inspirational for me and i totally recommend that the two of you listen to it because it's going to be meaningful for you and for the people that listen to the podcast listen to it so once again the creative power of misfits i'm not getting paid or sponsored to tell anybody about this you just gotta listen to it it's a really good podcast uh, and with that we'll uh, we'll oh and how people find your um, your company you're working for now where where do they go on on web two to find it
2: <laughs> still on web two infinite dot world it,
0: infinite. world cool. okay great Roni thank you Alicia thank you for making it a very enjoyable 46 minutes thank and, you Chad
1: uh, Charlie thanks for inviting
0: Charlie thanks for thank having uh, us do this uh, in your honor this week and we'll uh, enjoy the wedding and we'll see you back next week thanks everybody bye wow.